So, since this is the Hare Krishna movement, how many of you know what these words mean? Hare Krishna and Rama. I see one hand in the back. You know. You know. Do you know? You've been coming for a year. No, no. First time. First time? Oh, okay. He's been coming. He's been coming for a year. A little. A little. Little? No. So with your kind permission, I'll explain. It's good to know what it is. So, hara is a word. And I don't know if any of you studied Latin, Russian, German. No? None of those languages? Yeah. So, nouns are conjugated. What does that mean? That means that instead of saying to, for, from, of in English, words take a suffix. Yeah, something is added to the word. Or the, f the word changes with a different ending. That's a suffix. So hara becomes hare, when. So when these conjugation means these endings change according to number, uh, case, and gender. Masculine, feminine, and neutral. This is a grammar lesson. You know, when we speak English, we don't think about the grammar. And I don't know, is anybody a Spanish speaker here? Nobody. Yes? Because we're close to Mexico, and there's a lot of Hispanics. I studied Spanish, I studied German, I studied Hebrew before I went to India in my childhood. So you have this word hara becomes hare. Now what is hara? That is a name of the energy of God. We believe God is masculine and he has a feminine expansion. Which are the deities here? Radha and Krishna, the statues, the deities. So the feminine form is Hara becomes Hare. When you are calling that person. Uh, generally in Sanskrit there are eight cases you may not remember this later, it's a, it's a bit of a, it's totally technical and mechanical. The subject of a sentence, the object of a sentence, <coughs> then uh, uh, instrumental, subject, object, instrumental means uh, by or with instrumental. Then dative is two or four. In other words, you, the word, a noun, 
So the next word is Krishna. So there are different forms of the word Krishna, different forms of the word Hara. If two Krishna is Krishnena, Krishna becomes Krishnena. But you won't remember this. Don't try and remember it. It's a burden. <laughs> Unless you have a very mechanical brain, and I don't have a mechanical brain. But this is a basic grammar lesson. So Krishnena, then there's Krishna, ne Krishnaya, dative case. Krishnat, ablative case, means from Krishna. Of Krishna, Krishnasya. Krishne, a Krishnasya genitive, of Krishna. Krishne, locative in Krishna. And Krishna, hey Krishna, calling out to Krishna. Calling out to Hara, Hare. And Rama, same thing. You're calling out Rama, uh, Rama, you're calling out to Rama. So Prabhupada Swami came, came to the U.S. as our uh, Nityananda Chandra Prabhu just mentioned in 1965. Shortly thereafter he recorded, he made a record and there he explained this Maha Mantra, the primeval call of a child for its mother. You have children? Yes, so you're, the mothers are here. And my better half is there and he's my fifth child. <laughs> five of five, number five of five. So when a small child, a baby cries for the mother. This is considered to be what we are doing, calling to God and His energy, feminine energy, Radha. Now you know what this chanting of Hare Krishna is, grammatically. To actually see God is not so easy. That's why we're here. There's a spiritual search. We have a human body which is distinguished from an animal body. Animals cannot consider what is their position. They have a certain nature that is fixed and they pursue mating, eating, sleeping, mating and defending. These are the common factors between animals and human beings. They cannot pursue, they don't have that higher intelligence. Human beings have the higher intelligence. That higher intelligence is called, you've heard this word, well, you've heard a, probably a different version of the word, buddhi, or you've heard of Buddha, right? Buddha means intelligent. Buddhi is intelligence. So the intelligence is the discriminating factor of the mind. What is right and wrong? The, the intelligence will tell you. Now the, this power of intelligence is a subtle power. It's not a gross power. Our bodies are made of the gross elements, but the mind 
is subtle. Although medical science will say, well, there's a massive tissue, massive tissue called the brain. Are you a medical? Looks like you're wearing a medical uniform. So you know about, more about this than we know. Well, <laughs> you know more about the, the gross elements of the body. So, but we, we understand that beyond those gross elements that constitute the body, there are subtle elements. And beyond the subtle elements, we believe that there's a soul. English word is soul, and the Sanskrit word is Atma. Have you heard of Atma? You've heard the word Atma? There are many Sanskrit words in English that we use every day. Yoga is probably now the most popular of all those Sanskrit words. Pandit, right? Guru, everyone uses Guru. He can be a, you know, a cinema guru, a sports guru, an <laughs> investment guru. <laughs> so, guru karma. Wow. Though that is an everyday word. Yoga, karma, and guru. Pandit is there, right? Then what else? These four are very common. Mantra. My God, my God, mantra is just like yoga and karma. <laughs> Everyday language. Everyday English. These mantrayate iti mantraha. Manaha is the mind. So these, many of these English words is came from Sanskrit. Is came from the German ist came from the Persian ast, the Sanskrit is asti. Asti, ast, ist, is. This is one example. Then atheist and, uh, what is it? Atheist and uh, theist. theist. Comes from asti and nasty. Asti is, nasty is not. Na asti and then there's a compound, nasty. So nastika, atheist, astika, theist. These are in India well-known words. Uh, they may not be well-known here like mantra, guru, karma, pandit, yoga, yoga and the one other one, pandit. No, I already said Pandit. Karma. Karma, Yoga, Mantra, Guru. Guru. Yoga. Pandit. Pandit. Now there's one more, wasn't it? Yoga. 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 <coughs> Six words. Why he, uh, Nityananda Chandra said Sanskrit is the most intelligent language. Why is that? I mean, that's a very general statement. For example, there's 150 words for water. I don't know them all. <laughs> That's the secret of learning the Sanskrit language. Unfortunately, they, there was what happened, I'm not sure exactly how it happened, 
But the concept came into being that to learn Sanskrit, you had to study the grammar, and that killed the language. Killed, I mean, this is a overgeneralization. It, it hasn't been killed, actually. But they, the propaganda is like that. Sanskrit is a dead language. Language means communication. Language means communication. Speaking and hearing, exchanging ideas. And we know that there's more than English in the world. We're aware that there are many other languages. The European languages, there's, uh, of course, uh, well, there's a lot of languages in Europe. Major languages, then African languages. And China, they have different dialects, right? I mean, it's not one spoken language. There are different, they may have, they have characters, hieroglyphics, we call them, that, that represent the language. They don't have an alphabet. Chinese, Japanese, and Korean, all of them are pictures. Did you know that? They're not letters. But Sanskrit letters, that's called Devanagari which means the cities of the demigods in heaven. <laughs> Devanagari means the cities of the demigods. So there are a number of literatures in the Sanskrit language. The study of those literatures had become very specialized, academic pursuit. Out, outside of India. But in India, all the spoken, the main spoken languages are the daughters of Sanskrit. They're very close. The nouns are almost the same from those 150 words for water and etc., etc., many different words for the same thing. You have these, the languages, but the verbs changed. To do, to see, to go, to hear, to eat, these are verbs. To drink. Those are different in the Indian languages, but the nouns are mostly Sanskrit. So now we come to these literatures, because a grammar lesson is boring, no doubt. What's the time frame? I, well, when, when we're ready to, all the plates are ready, we'll open those doors. I see. No, approximately how long do you want me to go on? Half hour. Okay. There's some timer going here also. Okay, so you have Bhagavad Gita. Gita means song. Literally, means a song. And this is, what it is, is poetry. It is not prose, but it's poetry. Verse. Bhagavad, well, in certain situations it means the Supreme God. In certain situations it is used as an honorific. Bhagavan. 
One who possesses opulences, Bhaga. Bhaga is opulence. Bhagavan, he possesses those Bhagas. But there are many honorifics. This word Prabhupada is an honorific. It's not a name. You know that. To respect someone, you call him master. In English, in, in England, in English, English, I guess that's the way to put it. Not in American English. They used to have this master. Here in this country, I guess it was there in uh, archaic times, before the Civil War, if you know what I mean. Actually, it is, we feel that we are slaves of God, but not that type of... Uh, unjust slavery, voluntary slavery, out of love. And when we respect another person, they, the word is also used master. Now in Sanskrit there's masculine, feminine and neutral. Neutral does not mean homosexual, by the way. We're a little conservative in that regard. There was no such concept. Now people are, there are people that are trying to twist. Neutral just means that it's neither masculine, neither feminine. But the distinction between the masculine and the feminine is in a number of languages, not only the Sanskrit language. Only English you have to say he and she. Otherwise, <laughs> otherwise in Sanskrit it'll be different. So Bhagavad Gita, the song of God. This is part of a large history of India called Mahabharata. Maha is great. Bharata means India. Actually, the name of India is not India. It's Bharata. Like Germany is not Germany, right? How many know that? How many of you know? Deutschland. Deutschland, right. In, in German is Deutsch, it, but the, the English, they are Germans, by the way. You know that, right? The, the English came from Germany. They're Anglo-Saxon. In Germany, there is a place, Lower Saxony. And the English language came out of the German language, mostly. Funny thing, though, that they... The, the language changed and the conjugation of nouns, I mean, sorry, the declension of nouns and the conjugation of verbs that you have in German and Sanskrit ceased in English. Everything you have to say, he or she or it. So here, Bhagavad Gita came from this Mahabharata, great history of India that we believe is 5,000 years old. And how do we believe that? Because there's a system of disciplic succession. Prabhupada used this word. If you look up the word disciplic in the English dictionary, you won't find it. Maybe you have to go to Oxford or Cambridge because it's not used a lot in English. Succession, it's an everyday word. What it means is teacher to pupil. 
guru to disciple. So this chain is accepted all over India and all the people that speak different languages they're all based on Sanskrit but they actually they may not, you may not be able to understand from one part of the country to the other but the Gita is everywhere and the Mahabharata is everywhere. Why is Gita considered important out of 100,000 verses of the Mahabharata, 100,000 verses. You can imagine how vast a literature. 700 verses are here. 700 is the Bhagavad Gita. So the reason is that the Gita is an exposition of the Atma, the soul. So the, if you're new and you haven't read the Gita, I can give you a little synopsis. Is that okay? Yeah. A, a, a great war broke out, hadn't actually begun. Acha, it's not like the war that you see in the movies today where everyone is a target, collateral damage. There was no collateral damage. There were soldiers on a battlefield fighting face to face. There were no women. There were no old people except a few. Bhishma. Mostly elders were not in the fight. And with no children like you see, right? In, especially in Africa, they showed child soldiers in the movies. Or, or in Probably in Central America, they had these communist insurgencies. Probably, I don't know if they're still going on, but anyway, this was a straight out fight. Certain rules were there, a night they didn't fight. That was broken on one night. So they, they followed these rules of, of warfare. Before the war actually started, one of the great warriors is Lord Krishna's friend. Now the mention of Krishna. Who is Krishna? Ah, we come on the seventh Sanskrit word that everyone knows in English. Avatar. <laughs> or you say avatar. Avatar, but that's the wrong. Because it's avatarati, to cross over from above, to come down. Arohanam, Avarohanam. Arohanam go up. Avarohanam to come down. Is that Spanish? Yeah, Wow. Pardon my, I forgot it all. <laughs> Two years I got a B. For me that was good. <laughs> I was a very ordinary student. But Spanish, I had a good teacher, a lady teacher, Mrs. Carvalho. Can remember her name. <laughs> I mean, this was 1970 and 71. It's a few years ago. It's almost 50 years. Almost 50. Yeah, I do have gray hair. Where's the time going? So, avatar. You all know that. Another Sanskrit word. Popularized by the movie. But popularized nonetheless. It means incarnation. So we believe that God himself 
descends into this world from his spiritual abode, the spiritual world. And that this world is not just the earth planet. There are many planets. We cannot go there by airplane or spaceship. Another thing is on some of the planets, the bodies are not made of the same elements that these bodies are made of. How can we understand that? Just like a fish in the water. They have a different system for breathing, but they can live in water. So there might be somebody in living in fire or living in, in ether, but we cannot perceive that with our present senses. Aja, one thing, one other point, which is uh, an important or a core, a core part of our understanding and ideology is that beyond the, the senses, there's the soul, there's the Atma. So the Atma is extremely small. The description of the Atma, the description of the soul in the Upanishads, which is part of Vedic literature, the extended Vedic literature, Mahabharata actually came after the Upanishads, is that if you took the tip of your hair and cut it into 10,000 pieces, that's one of those pieces is the size of your soul. So it's infinitesimal. How is that? It's like the atom bomb. The atom nobody could see. We know that the you know, US government bombed Japan twice and those were the only atom bombs used in warfare. And then they blew up atom bombs or other hydrogen bombs where in the South Pacific, far, far away from any humanity and they haven't done it for quite some years now. And all of the scientists that work on all these projects, they cannot see the atom. It's only a theory, quantum theory, correct? So what we understand that the Gita is the science of the soul. The Gita talks about the soul. Basically, in a nutshell, it says that the soul is eternal. And the soul transmigrates. Have you heard this word before? Goes from one body to the other. How that happens is beyond our mm, sense perception. We cannot see it happening. But it happens by the law of nature. But those law of nature, how is that conducted? The Vedic concept is that there is a higher government, like we have the, here you have a local government, you have a state government, you have a federal government. In India it's similar, probably in all countries, uh, even in communist countries there's government. You know, they say it's not elected, here it's elected. That's the only difference, but there's a government. We may elect the government, but we hardly, a few people participate in the government. Similarly, on a cosmic level, as far as this universe, and we believe that there are unlimited universes, 
because the Supreme God is understood to be all-powerful. That's the Vedic version. And all-powerful is inconceivable. But to keep order, there's a government. There's a universal government. And those beings that run the universal government, which means the elements, like here, it's a pretty crazy type of uh, weather, right? One day it's warm, the next day it's cold, the next day it's warm. In India, we have a rainy season. You don't have a rainy season here. Three months of rain, but it may not rain evenly on every day. So all of these things are controlled by the universal government, which we call demigods in English. And they have tremendous power. We have people in this world that have tremendous power, isn't it? That power is temporary, because everything in this world is temporary. The principle of this world is that there's a change at every moment, instant change. All this is described in Gita. Gita is called the Yoga Shastra. So yoga, you know, the word you've heard. But when you hear the word yoga, you usually think it's uh, calisthenics, right? Exercises. And that is part of it. We don't deny that. But it actually means, in Sanskrit, to link. It's a linking of the soul with the Supreme Soul. To unite yourself with God. So there's the Astikas and the Nastikas, the theists and the atheists. We are in the camp of the theists. We believe there is a supreme power, supreme God. And he created this world and as a kind of a prison house. I'm sorry to have to say that. Because <laughs> we all feel, you know, we're proud that we're free. But actually, we're not free. We have to grow old and die. And nobody wants to die. The nature of the soul being eternal is reflected in this covering, which is the prison house of the material body, covering the soul. That tiny soul, one ten thousandth, like, an, like the atom, infinitesimal, is covered by layers of material energy and it's not easy to break free from those layers and it cannot be done just by wishing but there is a process there is a way that's called liberation salvation uh, freedom freedom for the soul How do we know? Communication. If God is all-powerful, created, you know, the creator and ruler of the universe, that's the English dictionary de definition of God, creator and ruler of the universe, and he's all-powerful, then he cannot communicate to us 
So the song of God, Bhagavad Gita, this is his communication. He comes in 5,000 years, he comes once. <coughs> Actually, it's much longer than 5,000, but he came 5,000 years ago. So at that time, he made this communication. For the Supreme Lord, 5,000 years is a moment in eternal time. For us, due to our relative experience, seems to be a long time. Now we forgot. That is the thing. Especially us older people, we can relate to that more. <laughs> the older you get, the more forgetful you become. Short-term memory loss. But actually, every soul in the material world loses its memory when it is injected, or I don't know if that's the right word, but placed situated in a, in a material body. And even though human beings have been given special intelligence as compared with all the other living entities, and there are 8,400,000 species according to the Vedas, according to Vedic knowledge, still remembrance is not given where we transmigrated Acha, why is that? Because if we we, we, we wouldn't be able to maintain mental equi equilibrium. If we could remember all of the births we took, there would be too many. It would create confusion. So it's a blessing that we forgot. It's a blessing that we forgot. Now, the argument will be made, well, that proves that there's no soul. If the soul exists, you should remember. Thing is this, the remembrance is, would be that of an illusion. Because this life is an illusion in the sense that it's temporary. We are here. We will be taking nice prasad in a few minutes. A nice feast has been prepared. But it will be only for a few minutes. That's the nature of this world. Everything keeps changing. Everything keeps moving. So we need that communication, that guidance. Now what we understand is that the Vedas are the oldest communication Vedas and Vedic literature are the oldest communication from the Supreme God. Now, what are the instructions? So, the instruction in Gita is that there are three modes. In English, we, it's been translated, they're called the gunas in Sanskrit. And these gunas are influencing all human beings. The animals, the plants, they're alive. They have a soul. But their limited intelligence does not allow them to overcome the power of these three modes, goodness, passion, and ignorance. Say, for example, a tree. A tree is totally ignorant. 
There's no brain in a tree, as far as I understand. But there is a brain in a dog, a cat, a cow, a horse. Most mammals have brains. Maybe even insects have a tiny brain. If you go to catch a, a fly, the try, it tries to go away. So there's some intelligence there, in infinitesimal intelligence. intelligence. And human beings, there's different levels of intelligence. Some people measure it by the degree you have in college. But the degree in college is only in one subject. You've got a degree in one subject, but there are so many subjects. And there are people in India, the system was, the Vedic system, how much could you memorize? That was the test of intelligence rather than you have a degree. I mean, the, uh, what is that? The uh, satire on a degree was in the old movie Wizard of Oz, which was a book, right? If you want a brain, here, here's a college degree. You've got a brain. You remember that? So, but it's not like that. Actually, intelligence means to have a number, knowledge of a number of things, not only of in one subject matter. And if you can memorize knowledge, which Vedic knowledge was considered the standard of knowledge. So if you could memorize the Vedas, you were considered intelligent. And then people used to memorize the Gita, all 700, there are still people. <coughs> I think our Nityananda Chandra himself is endeavoring to memorize the whole Gita. So that was the standard in India. Memorization meant it's data entry, but the data was there in your head. So then you would know so many things. So Gita says, know these three modes of nature, goodness, passion, and ignorance, and try and situate yourself in goodness. Because those who are situated in goodness, they go up. They elevate their soul when it leaves this body. And those who are in the mode of passion come back in the same place. It may not be Dallas, but it'll be in the material, in this part of the material world. And those who are affected by ignorance will go down. Now they can go down in this earth planet or they can go to even lower planets that we cannot see. But like, say, the birth as a tree. Now, there are many people who say, well, the trees have no soul. But the same symptoms of life that humans have, we see is in trees, plants, insects, reptiles, aquatics, birds, mammals, all of these 8,400,000 species. So we understand that there are souls trapped in the blade of grass, or as an ant, or a mosquito, or a fly. Or 
there are uh, wild cats, isn't it here? You have these bobcats and yes. coyotes. coyotes and uh, there are a lot of different animals all over the world. I came here from Florida, the gators, I didn't see a gator, but I did see a bear. I was uh, an hour north of Orlando, there's a place called D-Land, I don't know if you've ever heard of it. And I was out on a 117 acre farm there for four days and the bear came out of the forest. And the cub, my wife saw the cubs, I didn't see the cubs. So there are many species of life and they have intelligence, they have a brain or they don't have a brain. Due to their past activities, karmas. So that's why we say bad karma and good karma. You get a human body due to good karma. And you get a body of a tree in Siberia or, you know, the forests anywhere and stand in one place naked for hundreds of years maybe. Right? The redwoods, how many years are they? Three, four hundred? Like sequoias? Sequoias, right. Over, over 2,000 years. 2,000, there you and go. They have one called the, Sher uh, the, uh, the, uh, the Sherman, the Sherman sequoia. It's over 2,000 years old. A 2,000 year old tree. So you, that's a punishment. It's, it's a punishment for a bad karma. To have to stand in one place. The soul is trapped there. But the soul, since there's no brain, hardly feels that. It's, 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 it's a type of imprisonment, but without feeling. Because it doesn't have the human intelligence when there's solitary confinement. It's miserable. But when you're in a tree, it's worse. It's a worse situation if you have to stand in one place for 2,000 years. Well, not every tree lives that long. But it's a punishment. So all of these material bodies are a punishment. <coughs> the message of the Gita is be good and get out of this material world. In a nutshell. In a nutshell. 700 verses goes through different types of yoga because yoga, there are different types of yoga. The uh, yoga of the exercises is only one of them. And what we are propagating is the yoga of devotion. The servant and the master. The master is devoted to the servant in an ideal situation. And if it's the Supreme Lord and we are tiny souls somehow fallen in this material world, well, sure, thank you. But at the moment, I don't need it absolutely. I think I went on for half an hour. And so, uh, no, I wanted to leave some time for questions rather than just continuing <coughs> with the lecture. A little interaction with the uh, participants of today's program. Yeah. I have, well, I have a comment then a question. Sure, so, sure. So the, what I've learned is there's so much between uh, what we've learned from the Vedic literature and even Christianity, okay? Because you talked about government, okay? That's taught in the Vedic literature, okay? Whereas Jesus himself talked about the kingdom that would come, okay? Uh, then 
talked about the multiverses, okay? Well, Jesus Multiple said, universes. Mm -hmm. Right. And Jesus himself said, in my father's house there's many abodes. Okay. okay. So my question my oh. question after these comments. I like that. <laughs> I like the light. Yeah. Uh, so my question is, is being that you're in India and this is something you don't hear here and because it's actually suppressed from this knowledge, but in India the I've I've read literature about Jesus, in fact, during his lost 17 years, went to India. Do you have any knowledge of that? Or any experience? See, what we believe is that Vedic literature predates the Abrahamic religions, which means Judaism, Christianity, and Islam, which yeah. are actually, they were tribal. You know, they came out of the desert tribes. Yeah, 40, 40 men over 1,500 years uh, wrote the Bible, and the first book, Moses, was written about 1450 B.C., which the Gita was 1,700 years before. Right. So, you know, the, there are different histories of Jesus Christ. Uh, I can't say which is true and which is not true, but there is... There, it's a common knowledge. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, there are there is a the thesis because in Christianity there's a there's a gap period they don't know where he was for some thirty years or something. So the thesis is that well he came to India, and uh, the, the, India has been neglected by European scholars. What what, what the European uh, intellectuals? Let's put it like that. The intellectuals of Europe mostly ignored India. There's exceptions because in Germany, scholars, and this isn't a general mass of people, study Vedic literature in universities. They know there's a link, you know, because of the language. Those first, that was linguistics. The study of linguistics led them to understand that the language came from Sanskrit, German language. Well, even the Russian language. There are words in Russian and, and uh, other Slavic <coughs> languages that are direct Sanskrit words, which you can trace it to English, brother. Brother comes from the Sanskrit brat, brata. Brata is Sanskrit. And in Russia and in uh, other Serbian country, of uh, Serb uh, Slavic Serbia. What is it? Yugoslavia used to be called Yugoslavia. Slavic languages, they say brat. They say the word brat. Now that's one example. Man, in Sanskrit, manushya. So manushya, man. So like that, there, yeah. You have uh, dina's day. So Din, dinam, dinam. In Sanskrit, is. You know, Sanskrit's dinam. Yeah, but yesterday, yesterdinam. Yester, yesterdinam. Yesta, okay. Why? Yesta, okay. Yesterdinam, yesterday. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah, dinam. Yesterdinam, okay. Yeah is what I know. But like I said, there are many words for the same thing. But that's very close to yesterday. Yesterday, I haven't heard, but Shwaha tomorrow, Parashwaha, Acha Parshva, 
Persia. Parshva means next to. Persia, next to India. Farsi came from the same Parshva, Farsi language. And the religion of ancient Persia was <coughs> fire worship. The, 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 the fire worshippers who escaped the Islamic invasion, they brought the fire with them to India and they installed them and they're called Parsi Angiari. You've, been, you've seen these? No. Yeah. No. You haven't seen the Parsi Angiaris? They're all over India. And, you know, in, I, recently I was in Hyderabad and I just took a walk from our temple and I came across the Parsi Angiari. And one of my friends in, in Baroda is the chairman of the Parsi Angiari. His mother was a Hindu. But the Parsis are Hindus, in fact, because they had this fire worship and there are fire sacrifices in the Vedas. And Gita talks about that also, fire sacrifice, in a number of places. And we also perform these fire sacrifices at the time of initiation and marriage. May I add to your comments? Sure. In response to your please, comments? Please, please. Um, I just want to say that Srila Prabhupada commented on the question of whether Jesus was in India he became acquainted with the idea when his disciples showed him the Aquarian Gospel. And he said, I don't know about the authority of the Aquarian Gospel, but it says that Jesus went. And he thought about it. He made some comments. You can look them up in his teachings, in the, in the compiled teachings of Prabhupada. The comments are there. And he gave some uh, reasons why it's a possibility. He said, at that time, there were no uh, border customs agents. You know, you couldn't travel. And right. He said also the priests in India, they were willing to teach someone who was interested and submissive. It didn't matter if you were a foreigner. He gave reasons like that that it's possible. It would have, it would have been possible. Why some, yeah. The, well, you have the Bhavishya Purana, which mentions uh, Isa Messiah, Isha Putra Kumari Garbha. There you go. So, um, there's an ancient Purana. Uh, right, the word Jesus comes from Isha, which means Ishwara God. But the, the, it gives a description, it describes the person as Isha Putra, son of God, Kumari Garbha. Oh, who was born from a virgin. That's in the Bhavishya Purana. Not all Christians accept that. <laughs> right? There are different ideologies in Christianity. It's 1400 of them. Yeah, 1400. <laughs> Protestant churches, you mean? Or all, all put together, including the, 1400 different. the Orthodox, the Russian Orthodox, the Syrian Catholics, the Syrian Orthodox. Uh, there's a lot of them. The Protestants have a thousand, I know that. That was my problem with Christianity. Was I, I felt like God was much bigger than just this one. Um. Actually, Bhaktivinoda Thakur wrote, without mentioning Christianity, that he couldn't accept an ideology where God has only one son. Yeah. Aren't, aren't we all the son, children of God? Yeah. That's what we believe. 
children because children we were created by him so there's some you know human interference there in uh, the Abrahamic religions now that could be said for uh, someone could charge well the Vedic religion is also and there were changes because <coughs> we have a lot of different subsects of Hinduism Hinduism may seem a pejorative term. Uh, it, it's, it's synonymous with Vedic. Prabhupada at times tried to deny that because of circumstances. But later on in India, he, you know, Hindu means Vedic. There's no difference. Vaishnava means uh, Vishnu. And Krishna and Vishnu, we say there's no difference. Vishnu means all-pervading. Krishna means all-attractive. But they're different forms of the same person. That supreme person can have unlimited forms, we feel, we, we believe. God is all-powerful. Yeah. And a point to that is you could point to Christians and say the only time God appeared to man was to Moses as a burning bush. <laughs> That's it, right? Not as a human, in a human form. What is, um, I've read just a little, I heard something that super soul or... Super soul means God. Okay. It's, it's used as a, just a, a synonym for God. Okay. The soul is infinitesimal and the super soul is infinite. So in Sanskrit the words are vibhu paramatma, Parama means topmost atma, soul. Vibhu means all-pervading. And Anu Jivatma. And uh, the Jiva means the mm, Vibhinamsha, separated part. Vibhinna means separate. Amsha means part. Jivatma, uh, the soul, of the separated parts. Anu means tiny. So the tiny souls and the super soul in English, well, he, Prabhupada adopted that expression, super soul. It, it's a coined expression. Ah, okay. It's a coined expression. But in the, the Sanskrit terminology is vibhu paramatma, all pervading supreme soul. So to make that simple, super soul. That's all. <laughs> right. I have a question on Sure. The Sanskrit language then, is it that Sanskrit is part of that eternal continuum after creation, destruction, the, the, over yeah. time? It's, it's the, the language of the spiritual world, we believe, and even the higher planets in this world. Acha, what does it mean? Samskritam, it's not Sanskrit. Sanskrit is a mispronunciation. Samskritam, culture. That's it. It means culture. So uh, the proper culture, su samskrita, good culture. Su is good. <coughs> su, not sue, <laughs> but it's the same pronunciation. More questions? We have time. The yeah. doors haven't opened yet. You have any more questions? <laughs> the, doors the doors haven't opened, so ever. <laughs> no, no, we can take questions. I don't know. You're the. Uh, Anybody have a question? 
We have some, yeah, we have one. I don't know if this is an appropriate question, it might be left af afterwards, but um, I was across the street at the uh, College Angie's. I'm actually going to start cooking lessons there tomorrow night. Oh, uh, good for, news. For the duration and of eight he's weeks. also in Sanskrit authority. So I, I, I've, been, I've been practicing yoga at Dallas Yoga Center and uh, since uh, September the 4th and probably have um, um, just a little over 553 hours. So I've been very busy with practicing my yoga practice. And I want to go, um, tell me if I'm pronouncing this uh, correctly, is it uh, Kripalu? Kripalu. Kripalu. Yeah, Kripa is mercy. Okay. And Kripalu is Kripalu. merciful. Okay. Merciful. It's up in, uh, near Boston, Massachusetts. Um, and um, it's a yoga school. Kripalu School of Yoga. Yes. Okay. So that's going to be the summer, but I want to start learning the yoga language. And, um, you know, considering our English language is 26 letters and five vowels, and Sanskrit is, you know, 50 letters, uh, 15 vowels, and 25 consonants, I can see how that language can get watered down as it moves from the east to the west. Right. So I want to start to, you know, in order to grow in my practice, I want to be able to pronounce it correctly. Right. So I started searching around, and... I connected with this very small little local group up in up in Frisco. And, Frisco, uh, a suburb Frisco, of Texas. Yeah. Frisco, Texas. Right. And they invited me to a little Montessori, and I found out very quickly, within an hour and a half, that it was 14 classes already in, and it was advanced. So the next day, well, after that, they invited me to somebody's home, which it was, you know, I guess a mansion. Which they converted the garage into a classroom, and um, so I was the only Caucasian. And it's all Indians. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah it was, so it was very uh, uh, inspiring. So now I want to learn even more so. See, uh, the 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 logic of learning a language, it can be any language, is that the natural way is to hear and then speak like a child and his mother. The mother is the first guru, by the way. Because the mother, guru means teacher. <coughs> and the, the mother teaches you how to speak mother tongue. So we learn from our mother by hearing. The mother doesn't call the small child and say, today is grammar lesson number one. <laughs> and none of us think like that when we speak our native language. We don't think that, you know, future tense, past tense, Jirund, uh, part, present participle, past participle. I can't remember them myself. And I'm not, a, uh, but there is a methodology, I think Berlitz, which is an old language school, and now there's, there's Babel, Babel, not a Babel. Yeah. So these language schools, that, that they've got it. They teach you by immersing you in the language, that's immersion. Right. That's exactly right. So the immersion method, this is the Peace Corps uses this. My brother, his uncle Larry, who's now in Abu Dhabi, who's an educational doctorate, my younger brother, holds it from uh, St. Thomas University in Miami uh, in uh, English. And uh, he's a teacher trainer for the UAE Colleges of Education. So when he was in the Peace Corps in Kenya, 87 and 88, 
You have to be a college graduate and it's voluntary. They were giving a $200 a month stipend and uh, you know, no salary. That was the, that's still going on. The Peace Corps is still uh, running. Kennedy started the Peace Corps. And uh, the first six weeks, he learned Swahili. And the first lesson was somebody knocked on the door, came in and just was talking. You know, answering and speaking and just by demonstrating speech. So for Sanskrit immersion, there's a year-round two immersion camps in India. Okay, what about Dallas? <laughs> yeah, no, immersion camp, <laughs> that type of immersion camp, it could be recreated. Okay. But there, there, are, there are more people speaking. Right. So it's easier for them to facilitate mm -hmm. the camps. So in those, I didn't learn in the camps. I learned to converse in 1988 in a week. Now I was already speaking Hindi, uh, you know, because I came to India in 74. <coughs> you weren't here for the introduction, but I've been, I'm living in India since 1974, February. Really? And I went native, as the British say. That's my wife. And this is our uh, fifth, fifth of five children who's uh, urban Indian youth working an IT job here. <laughs> and that's why we're here. He needs a green card to come here now. <laughs> I became an Indian citizen in 1983. Uh, prior to that, I had to renounce US citizenship in 82. In 99, the Indian government, because in the Constitution of India, they don't allow dual nationality. So in order to without changing the constitution, confer dual nationality on the ever-increasing number of Indian expatriates. They started a scheme called, they started two schemes, which has now been merged into one by the present ruling government. They did it five years ago. So 20 years ago, they started this overseas citizen of India and person of Indian origin. <coughs> So the overseas citizen of India is a virtual dual national. You get a lifetime visa and you can stay in India as long as you want. You never report to the police. Uh, unlike foreigners who have to report to the police. So anyway, uh, Americans get a 10-year visa if you, if you want, 10-year tourist visa for India. And you can uh, go to that Sanskrit immersion camp if you want. I was going to ask you, where is that and how long is it? Yeah, well, in Delhi it used to run six months. Uh, it used to run all year, but I heard it's reduced to six months. And then Banaras, have you heard of Banaras? No, sir. Oh, well, Banaras, Mark Twain visited Banaras. What is it, 130 years ago or something? And he... I wasn't born yet. He was, yeah, no, none of us were. But, yeah, Mark Twain is... From, yeah, Mark Twain, when did he... He passed away in 1910 or something like that. I mean, uh, but uh, he, he toured the whole world and he went to Benares. It's, it's on the bank of the Ganges and it's an ancient city and it's a center of learning. So they've, uh, there's still a group... Act, still active today, both of these camps. The camps are run by a group that's loosely connected to the present government. Okay. 
parent organization called the National Service, now what is it, National Service Union. I don't know how to explain it. Anyway, they, the Sanskrit Bharati, it, there's a website, Sanskrit with an M. Sanskritabharati.in and the immersion camp is called the Samvada Shala. Samvada means conversation, Shala means school, school of conversation. So the Banaras camp is now year round and the Delhi camp, from what I understand, runs for six months. B E B A, sorry. B E B E N A R A S. It has three names, that city. It's interesting. Varanasi, the British couldn't pronounce, so they said Banaras. And there's an ancient name, Kashi. K A S H I. <coughs> but uh, when you. It, you, the airplane may go to Baranasi, in fact, it may not go to Baranasi. <laughs> like where I live, we call it Baroda because the British said Baroda, but it's actually Vadodara. And if you want to book a flight ticket, you have to know that name, Vadodara. Or there's BDQ, the airport code. <laughs> so one would have to take a sabbatical for six months then? No, no, no. It's a two-week oh, immersion. Two Oh, two weeks. Two wow. weeks basic conversation. Really? You can spend another two weeks if you want. And the, the, the charge is like not even a one day in a hotel. Right. Well, I could spend a month or easy, but not six months. <laughs> right. No, you. Uh, I would really recommend it if you want to learn no, I, I conversational Sanskrit. So the young lady, because I bought a yoga book, and, and I was telling her my experience, she goes, come here. Can, do they, can they convert, converse in Sanskrit, those people? That well, actually... Um, because I have five sentences, which yes. is another method, which is how I learned. Okay. If you learn these five sentences, which is a formality, actually, all the doors are open. And <laughs> can you give us one sentence? Yeah. The, the key is a very simple sentence, the third sentence, what is the you know, Sanskrit word for the English word, good. Now good is blank, you, we put good. So you have to learn word by word. Now after learning, getting vocabulary and trying to learn verbs and pronouns first, this is not a rule, this is just a concept. If you, when you come to the point of being able to form three, let three word sentences in your mind, You've got it. The, the rain in Spain falls mainly on the plane. Well, how about this? Mama, Nama, Frank. Right, that's how they, yeah. Bhavataha Nama Kim, Mama, Nama, Frank, Asti. Asti is. Yeah, so that, asti. that's what I wanted to ask you. So, because female has Asavita, is that right? A S A V I T A, a woman's name. And then a man's I, I explained it earlier, but you came a little late, yeah, which is... Oh, I'm sorry, Dan. No, 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 nothing to be sorry, but I, I, some people are going to hear it again. <laughs> There's masculine, feminine, and That's neutral. Right. 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 Strelingam. Linga is a sign. Right. I'm German, so I used to speak German. So there's der, die, da. Yeah, so. I was explaining. I studied German for three years in junior high school. I was, yeah. I was born in Germany. So. Oh, you were born in Germany. Yeah. My... my uh, 
Father's elder brother was in the occupation army. Okay. In the United States Army. Well, I won't tell you what year. For three war. years. Exactly. <laughs> <It's a secret. laughs> you were born during the war. No, after the war. After the war. Okay. I'm not that old. You're not. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I visited Germany. I'm already eating over there. I I could not. I would explode. You want to take it again? So, yeah. so one don't one don't read and simple have a class in Sanskrit. Um. I, I can't tell you why. No, <laughs> our leadership of our movement hasn't come to that point where they stress the utmost importance of Sanskrit. You know, there's a saying in, in the Gita, yad yad acharyati, it's, it's a verse in Gita, it's one of the verses of the Gita. Yad yad, in Sanskrit, when you want to stress something, you say it twice. Yad yad acharati shreshtaha. Shreshtaha means the, the great, those who are great. Acharati is uh, your own behavior. So, however, the great behave, yad yad acharati shreshtaha, tat tat eve tarojanaha. The common man follows that. Or there's another saying in Hindi, yata raja tata praja. Just like the king, so the people. People emulate the leaders. So our leaders need to stress Sanskrit bhasha, the language of Sanskrit. Why? Because we are charged with spreading the teachings which originally are in. And there's a picture of our founder Prabhupada here in Dallas teaching a boy how to write in Devanagari script. So that example of Prabhupada is there. It was know, here in this place. Even with my short studies, I mean, this language is over 3,500 years old, and maybe even up to 5,000. But, yeah, but we the, believe 5,000. The etymology of that it, it extends into Greek and Latin. Yeah, and Russian. And, Russian and, and even English, the English that we have today. Right. We, before you came, mantra. Yoga, yoga was the first word. I won't be late again. Right, mantra. Well, I, this is a one-off for me because I'm, 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 uh, you know, back to India on the second of February from Chicago, not from here. So I have to fly to Chicago. So, which school do you recommend, dear sir? The school? Yeah, in India for the Sanskrit. No, the Sanskrit Bharati. Is that the one you would go? Yeah, to? the immersion camp. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. I am. I believe in this immersion method to I learn the language. I, I, that's, I mean, I think that applies for anything you want to learn. Right. When you immerse yourself, you get basic conversational ability. Yeah, I think the college. I think the college system in four years is flawed. Absolutely. The the system is that you should learn the grammar first before you learn to speak. Doesn't make the cart before the horse. And that's what I'm doing right now. I'm. It's it's done in reverse. Because the people there, they already speak different, uh, I don't want to say dialects because that's not correct, right. different languages within India. But They're they the have, daughter, daughters of Sanskrit. But they have a head start, and so that's what I'm in the middle of right now. But I get, I get to listen to it, and I don't say a word, I just listen, so I, I well, do like that aspect of it. But you've got to start speaking. That's right. Mama Nama. Right. right. Mama Nama is what they're teaching, but it's right. better yes, sir. to learn this, what is the, you have to learn it in Sanskrit. 
Right. What is the Sanskrit word for the English word good? Or what is the English word for the Sanskrit word sadhu, which is good? Does, it's a blank, but you can fill in any word. Mm -hmm. So you learn this way word by word while you immerse yourself by mm -hmm. speaking in Sanskrit. Uh, so, so there's a website. I can if you give me your email address, yes, sir. I send you the five, uh, the five questions. I mean, I'm sorry. Yeah, you call it question method. We call it the five nectars, uh, whatever. Five sentences to learn to speak. Hare Krishna, thank you very much. Hare Krishna.